Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen and 90s Action Movie November. And we, uh, I don't know, are we taking sci-fi, not a bit more seriously, but perhaps in a more Morgan palatable way this week than last week? Okay. I think the fifth element was was out there, it was wacky, it was crazy, it was, it was kind of high well, up there well, on... on you know the 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 scale to eleven. Yeah, sensory overload a little bit. <laughs> sensory overload. I think this movie, this week that we have on nineties action movie November, is a uh, is a little bit more Morgan's speed when it oh. comes to sci-fi action, because okay. I very very much enjoyed this. It is the penultimate episode of this series. I'm very excited about it, Janine Stallone is taking center stage yeah. today the monstrously large action movie name that that is that he is in uh is this his action movie prime time janine i know stallone has had a long career going back yeah. to the mid late 70s i mean i think the 80s is where he kind of came into this type of action but yeah, I'd say the 90s was the biggest time and then he's making this resurgence with these Expendables films and really having fun with the whole idea of the 90s action star casting them in these movies, yeah. which is a lot of fun. Uh, this film actually had a lot of other big 90s action stars tied to it. I think they originally wanted Van Damme and they wanted I, I get that sense. Yeah, Strangely wanted... enough, I really mm -hmm. get that sense that it, that it could have been a Van Damme movie. And yeah. I think if it had have been a Van Damme movie, it would have been not as enjoyable for me. And that's nothing against Van Damme, but this is from the Van Damme movies I have seen. It does fit as that kind of tongue-in-cheek, half-silly, wink-at-the-camera-style action movie that, that I think Van Damme has done really successfully. But I think there is perhaps a certain, in in my mind, credibility that Stallone brings that Van yeah. Damme doesn't. Yes. He does feel a lot like an everyman kind of guy. So to be this fish out of water, I think, is perfect for him as an actor and what he can do um i think they also wanted jackie chan as the villain but you know there's a, this no. thing you know where um he, he like didn't want to be seen as a villain um well no i can, or, I can understand why i mean yes as he's constantly the hero in his films, so um it was definitely like a cultural thing for him to not be you know, put in the position to play a villain. I think Steven Seagal was also tapped as the villain, but he didn't want to play a villain either. Again, uh, would have ruined the movie. <laughs> yes, I think Wesley Snipes is doing a, a, a solid job in this film. Um, another kind of trivia I looked at, I guess his, you know, he does have uh, extensive martial arts training so his kicks were too fast for the camera to pick up so they actually had to ask him apparently to slow down some of his kicks and stuff oh god so that the camera could catch them <laughs> i never thought i would be comparing wesley snipes to bruce lee but yeah. clearly you know you, you you're just moving too fast wesley 
yeah. I didn't realize Wesley Snipes had uh, such yeah. extensive martial arts training. If, well, fair enough. I think. Yeah, I he think did he's do doing film, the Art of War, where I think he did. You know, was all about him and martial arts and stuff. So. Okay. I mean, I think he's doing a wonderful, wonderful job in this movie, to be honest, as well. I think he's capturing the tone absolutely perfectly. Yeah. We haven't stated the title of the movie <laughs> we're covering yet. It is in the episode title. So, you know, you should know what we're yeah. talking about. Because it's Demolition Man from 1993. A movie I had you know, expected us to obviously do on, on, on this series. It had been talked about as a movie for a little while before we came up, I think, with this uh, specific series on yeah. Morgan Hasn't Seen. But I don't think it was ever a movie that I thought too much about. I yeah, I mean... In that category of 90s action movies, and I recognised it as, oh, okay, that's a reasonably big Stallone 90s action movie. Okay, okay I was going to ask that's you, what like, Demolition Man is. Okay, because I was going to ask you, like, were you aware of this movie? Did you have any concept of it? Or was oh, it just completely... Well aware of the movie existing, didn't really know what it was about, didn't know anything that, you know, was going on in there, didn't realise it was half a sci-fi movie as well, or really fully a sci-fi movie, because yeah. it is. Um. And it is, like I said, that kind of sci-fi that I really tend to enjoy. I think above the sort of Fifth Element style sci-fi. Okay. Where, because it's, it's strange to think. I mean, I suppose it's because the Fifth Element perhaps is full of aliens and otherworldly creatures and space travel and yes. things like that. Um, and, and just these really over-the-top visuals and over-the-top costuming and all this kind of stuff this is it's grounded sci-fi really yeah it's just man. like that elevated image of the future that we have and even felt felt quite topical in a lot of ways because we have very our, much you so. know our above people very much feeling like the type of world that some extreme people want to make and then the underdwellers that are kind of like what the more liberal type people want to have which is like the right. freedom to do what you want to do so it very much feels like the topical political wars that are kind of happening on the extreme ends of democracy and you know the republican party and all of that kind of back and forth so <laughs> those parallels definitely were like in my head in watching this movie for sure 100 percent, and this should be and they are they are sci-fi concepts that have been present throughout that genre's history in in all forms i mean yeah. there's, there's elements of brave new world in demolition man with the yeah. class structure and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff and the seemingly great utopian Perfect, peaceful yeah. society that might actually not be that great and you've got someone in the middle of it it all um, who seems like I'm the saviour, but he's really the one behind the evils of the movie. Yes. Um, which is exactly what we're dealing with here. I also think of it as a kind of Star Trek-style philosophy sci-fi, where I feel like a lot of Star Trek, particularly original series Star Trek, you're traveling to random planet number three of the week, you know, and, and yeah. 
something is going on there. There's some sort of class struggle, and it seems like we shouldn't be friends, or, or we're told that the creepy little people who live in the caves are, are the evil. villains. Yeah. And, and they're the evil ones. And lo and behold, by the end of the story, they're the ones we are fully behind. And the nice people stood there in white robes, standing about eight foot tall in big gilded hallways are the evil people, but they're yeah. the ones that we that we immediately think, oh, look at these nice, peaceful people living a nice, peaceful life. Yeah. And it's just that switching of your mentality that I think a lot of the sci-fi I enjoy most does really, really well. So I was not expecting to, I think, think so fondly of Demolition Man. I had assumed, like I said, <clears throat> it was Stallone's, one of Stallone's biggest 90s action movies, and that would just be what I thought of it. Like, yeah. okay, there's Stallone doing action things. Isn't this fun? Yes, it is. But what else is going on? Yeah. I found so much more else going. Okay. Well, I'm excited to get uh, into I, this. I, I really, really <laughs> did enjoy it. Yes. Before we get into the meat of our discussion today, Janine. What do we have to do? We have to say a huge thank you to our It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons. Each week on one of our shows, we love to shout them out and just tell them a huge thank you for all of their support. We certainly do. If you would like to join them on the Patreon or donate in any way to support us, there are links in the episode description to go and do that. We would be most grateful for your generous support, much like we are most grateful for all of these wonderful people, starting with a big thank you to Marie Zambino. And thank you, Adam Witt. Thank you to Michael Smith. Thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you, Abby Freel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to 90s Comics Box, Janine's big brother, Justine. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Tina Farrow. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Steve, Movie Fenobi. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fies. Thank you to Delicia Butler. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you, Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shape Channel. Thank you, Eric Garcia. And of course, thank you to Billy Pollahan. Yes. Yay. Applause for the patrons and definitely applause for the movie. Janine, do you yeah. love Demolition Man as much as me? I do. I have so much fun with this movie. Like, I was really excited to show you and see what you thought of it. If you thought it was going to just be this kind of dumb action thing. Or if you would actually find some interesting themes happening and get into the sci-fi of it. I think this paints a really interesting, like you said, very, you know, a little bit extreme as as you know, future is always portrayed, um, especially from the, to be. from the 90s to what they thought the later 2000s would look like. Um, what is it, 2032 in this movie? Yes, 2032. And we start... Which, is, is it, isn't that long off now? It's only nine years away, you know? Yes, and I think it's already starting like three years late after it came out. So I think it's set in like 1996 at the beginning. Okay. Yes. Uh, 1996 Los Angeles and so just kind of like how 
things change and evolve actually feels very much like what could possibly happen or what you know it felt like plausible that changes that could be made to to create this you know seemingly utopic society as you mentioned so um i do like the grounded feeling of it the class kind of systems of it the political ideals that are happening um i love the sandra bullock character really wanting to is just bored with this kind of existence wants some action she treats yeah. the like the 90s like a whole big action movie you know <laughs> she treats the 90s like i treat the four the late 40s yes having lethal weapon posters in, in her office and you know all of that kind of stuff so i like having this character that is really excited for some change and you know is open to bigger ways of thinking is not content with this utopic society but also it's kind of all she's known so in a lot of aspects you know if she's pushed a little too far uh, like in one particular scene, you know, it's a little too much for her to handle in the moment. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's no, I think every one of our major cast really are so fitting for what they want to be doing in this movie, because I think it is one of those. It's one of those sci-fi action movies that, that needs to hit its tone absolutely perfectly because it is definitely making jokes about itself. Yeah, it's very it self-referential. Oh, yeah, 100% referential. It is really wink at the camera. And this is why I say, like, Van Damme, you could see Van Damme here. Yeah. You could. Yeah. There is just, I think, a certain... I said credibility that Stallone brings. I also think Van Damme is a larger-than-life personality in his movies like he is like this movie doesn't work with with schwarzenegger for example this movie doesn't work with schwarzenegger and it doesn't work with van damme yeah but it somehow works with stallone and yeah, i think I this mean... is just because i see stallone and i think okay there's a big tough you know kind of brutal looking dude but i always get a certain sweetness out of Stallone, I, like just a certain I, warmth, a heart. Yes, uh, this comes from Rocky. Obviously, yes, this comes from just Rocky has so... created this persona for him of this like everyday, hardworking guy just trying to get by, just doing what he needs to do. Like I love when uh, Sandra Bullock is like going off about all of these things he she thinks he is that he's like this big action guy and he's like no i'm not any of that i'm just a guy who shows up and does my job and then you know of course she finishes it and then things get demolished of course we get a few yes, because a few he, is the, <laughs> he is the demolition, demolition man. man but i love when she's kind of trying to put the put this label on him as this big kind of action cop hero because it's what she's seen in the movies everything she's seen on like this archive footage of him you know harkens back to that but he doesn't want that label he very much sees himself as a guy just showing up and doing his job so even though he is a, a maniacal destroyer of buildings yes well i mean and to be fair that that first destruction that we saw was not his fault even though he it wasn't his fault <laughs> he gets blamed he seems to uh i get the impression that mr john spartan 
got yeah. blamed for, for the destruction of a lot of buildings that weren't necessarily his fault. Yes, and some great names, some great action people names in this movie. I mean, Simon Phoenix, I mean, that just sounds so perfectly villainous. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I do... I, I I like I do like the naming in this movie. To be honest, it's almost that bridge between something overly silly, yeah. like a Corbin face Dallas. off, Castor <laughs> Troy. Oh know, yeah, uh, or, or um, yeah, or Corbin Dallas um, to just a regular name. It's the bridge kind of thing, and in a yeah. way, I think Stallone. I, I was going to say this just a couple of minutes ago, Stallone is that bridge of action star, I think, between Bruce Willis and Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, that's, that that's a good, that's a good is, gauge. Is, is the perfect balance of both of them. Yeah. Because he's big, he's, you know, a tank, like, like Schwarzenegger is, yeah. but he's also just a warm, normal dude, like yeah. Bruce Willis is. Yes. He's both at the same time. Yeah. And he's able to play both. At the same time. And I think he does it perfectly in this movie. I would, bold statement of the day number one, I would say that Demolition Man, outside of Rocky, is now my favourite Stallone movie. Wow. Okay. Because I just think he that. works so perfectly as the lead in this particular role. And I think the movie itself is really, really clever while wanting to be silly, while being totally entertaining. Um, the action in there never feels too stupidly over the top like you can get in the 90s action movies. It feels just, it feels action movie levels of action yes, rather I mean, than... You, you get stupid levels of action yes we get our quips in there but it just feels organic to what is happening simon phoenix has been set up to be this joker type chaotic figure yeah. so when it gets quippy it feels very much like inherent to what they're setting up these characters to be um you know we open with stallone jumping out of the helicopter saying phoenix like yes was yeah. that necessary? But you don't care. You're just in. You're just so on board for this ride that you're about to go on. <laughs> you don't. You don't care at all because it it is capturing its own tone. Yeah. So so well and does it so consistently. And this is what I was most impressed by. I think about Demolition Man and the fact it constantly kept its philosophical sci-fi ideas it never forgot them it they were always present and i think every one of those people um who are playing our kind of main cast are you know portraying their side of this whole class system of this whole society so so perfectly bob gunton as the chief of police. Yeah. He's really great because he's just like, he's so angry all the time <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. Just because people are actually doing what the, he wants them to do, but yeah. he, he, they're being too violent about it. I love 
my favorite thing I think about the movie is the constant in the background uh, voiceover of the I'm going to call them swearing police. Yeah, the violations machines. <laughs> yeah, because it's ev it's mo every time they're inside somewhere and someone swears, the Stallone usually or Wesley Snipes, you'll just get a background voice somewhere saying you have been fined one credit for the violation of the <laughs> profanity code of yeah. whatever year yeah. and sometimes they'll interact back with this system that's fining them for swearing but yeah. sometimes it'll just be there in the, in the background totally ignored yes yes and i love that it's yes. those little moments it's those little moments that i enjoyed about the fifth element those little tiny details that really round a yes. world out yes i mean they use it really comedically as well in the scene when you know the whole three seashells which people have written like articles oh, about God. the three seashells i think someone actually like wrote out like how to actually use the th three seashells because it's just this thing that they never tell you how how it works like he's just being mocked by not knowing um but they never explain it so i love when you even have like this ambiguous thing um that they just never explain so i like the people he, who don't so... know of course the uh, the three seashells um are in relation to using the bathroom because he toilet paper does not exist exists anymore so he uses all he starts cursing into the machine to get enough violation papers to end up just using his toilet paper so yes. I, I loved that little the little moment <laughs> yeah it's it's it is it knows when to be funny it knows when to be serious yeah. and i can't speak highly enough of it i i really really found myself really loving this movie way and I, it's it's this kind of episode that i love doing of morgan hasn't seen the most because it's a movie that i i didn't think much about but ended up just really really getting into because okay. it's, it's not even a situation of me thinking i would love the movie it, this is a situation of me thinking okay this will be fine and ending up going, wait a minute, no, this this is great. This wow. Is like okay, I'm really excited because I did not top tier action movie. Okay, I did not expect you to like love it like this much. I thought it would just be very much like, okay, that was cool, that was fun, but to hear how much you're you've enjoyed it is is really really exciting. Um, it's just on the it's just on the perfect scale of of size. I think it's not too small scale it's not too big scale it knows what it wants to say it knows the kind of ideas it wants to explore and it has so much fun with it and when you've got like i said when you've got a cast like this i mean not just stallone and and, and snipes like you say sandra bullock's great here she's so enjoyable in this movie she is i think the heart of the whole movie yeah um you've got Nigel Hawthorne as your almost peaceful dictator figure. Yeah. Apparently. It's great <laughs> as well. I, yeah. I really like Nigel Hawthorne. He does bring a certain classy gravitas to, to every movie, but he, is able to play quietly evil really well. 
Yes, I want to say I read something about this being like his first like film role, like you know because he had done a bunch of stage things. I don't think it was him, and and like he only did it to kind of show that he had a type of presence on screen, so that he could get cast in in um in a play. No, no, I don't know. That's not true because he was on British television and things in in the eighties and, well, and yeah, television. But was he in any movies? No, like he's, actual, yeah, like... there's, there's movies. There's movies okay. here. I'm looking at I'm looking at the list now. There's okay. Yeah, there's well, plenty just... of movies before. Okay, well then that's what the trivia had said. Something about I think him. he probably did a lot of good for his you know kind of older yeah career. Um, to be honest, but. He's in a few Shakespeare things as well, as you might expect somebody like that to be. He was also, of course, um, Jane's father in Disney's Tarzan. Oh, yes. Oh, so it said the he little, was inexperienced. little professor. He dude. was inexperienced in movies, it says. So he took his role to prove that he had screen presence for the producers of The Madness of King George in 1994. Ah, yeah. Hawthorne wanted like to reprise the stage movies, role yeah. for the movie version. As it transpired, this was unnecessary as Hawthorne was the producer's automatic choice for the lead. Yeah, so like big Hollywood movies, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think he's, you know. Yes, and apparently movie. he did not like, he did not care for Wesley Snipes or Sylvester Stallone. So, well, I guess it, you know, it, it worked with what his character was to be to both of them. So, yes, he's a different, he's a different style of actor, isn't he? Yeah, um, I think he's probably most known for the madness of King George. I think that's probably his kind of most celebrated role because he's playing George the Third, insane George the Third, who was actually like you, you say mad, but you know now we wouldn't call him mad. We would call him just deeply psychologically ill. Yes. Um. um... <laughs> But um, just to get into like a bit of the plot of this movie, so we do open yes. setting up the rivalry between these characters, Sylvester Stallone, um, John Spartan has been looking for Simon Phoenix for over two years and trying to like catch him. Um, so we set up this kind of cat and mouse dynamic between the two of them right off the bat. Uh, Simon Phoenix has taken a bus full of hostages, about 30 hostages. They track him to his like little hideout. A big fight ensues. Spartan can't find the hostages. Um, Phoenix blows the place up only for Spartan to later learn that the hostages were there the whole time and also burnt in this building. He gets blamed as he has this history of blowing things up. And his captain, who is yelling at him, is, I believe, the same captain from Lethal Weapon. So very much, oh. you know, a bit of, I think, creative casting there. Also with the pilot, um, he's one of the Johnsons of the Johnson and Johnson in in Die Hard, okay. um, oh. who will who later grows to be uh, Bill Cobb in the future. So yes, yes. So um, yeah, I think there is some creative casting happening with the beginning of this. So he ultimately gets uh, blamed for some involuntary manslaughter because he you know blazed in there without waiting for backup. And ultimately, all of the hostages died. So him, both him and Phoenix, get put into this cryo prison. Which um, more trivia I read that St Stallone said it was. This was probably like 
the worst time he's ever had on any movie was filming this scene because it was just terrifying this filling up with goo and being like encased in this thing i mean i can't uh, um, yeah i can't imagine though to be honest yeah. with you it, it, it did look pretty intense however it's one of these concepts i think you find in odd sci-fi movies like cryo prison is this not like a genuinely really good way of dealing with really dangerous criminals yes and <laughs> is, yes is this and, not just and, like the, the best thing to do yes and all, all the while they're while they're in their quiet cryo sleep like you're doing this rehabilitation to them so you're implanting like all of these different um kind of skills and therapeutic things so like when john spartan ends up coming out of his to kind of give him this calming sense they give him this ability to knit to be able to like yes. knit things he, he, he um, becomes a seamstress <laughs> yes so they can rehabilitate you by like putting uh, a whole different kind of set of skills into your orientation of your your thinking um however there is a certain unnaturality to that which i'm i'm not overly comfortable with Okay. You know, you, you you're getting forced to be something you you're not. Might yes. Not have been then. Yes. So, is your change, is your rehabilitation, really anything you know, true? Um. But I we, mean, we just can't fact... just control people's mentalities. We 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 can't. Do well, that. unless you're Cocteau, you can. Unless you're um... yes, <laughs> not Jean Cocteau. Although Jean Cocteau probably did control people's mentalities, but that's a totally <laughs> that's, different, yes. totally different person. Yes. Um, but I mean, just the fact that they even took the time to really show how this machinery would work and kind of make it feel like it makes sense, like showing the, the it filling up and then getting these kind of um, freezing elements and injecting that and like making all this machinery kind of make some type of sense and how it works and how it would do this to somebody um yeah yes and then to have the warden and then we see you know they they do with some fun casting with you know picking someone who looks very similar to the younger version we saw you know and he was like the assistant warden and yeah. then they make him like the actual warden in later years and so i like kind of this interconnectivity of building out this world and how it evolves and people in similar roles and um it all is is what i think makes this elevated future feel kind of grounded and, and realistic in a lot of ways yeah definitely and it, it does such a good job at doing that yes. it really does i i enjoy that a lot i think our our conflict begins in the movie really or our our you know real story um when Simon Phoenix is is thawed out for a for a parole hearing. Yeah. Um, many 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 years later. Now in 2032 it is no longer 1996 where we began the movie. Um and somehow in the world's worst security in the entire planet that didn't even make any sense what I just <laughs> said but it was just dreadful security. How he manages to escape his chair in this parole hearing and, 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 and kill the people in the room and go on a rampage from here on out. I questioned how he was able to do it. It seemed very lax to me. However, <laughs> in thinking about it now. Well, no, I think they do. Planted? 
it was. So Cocteau wanted him to escape because he wanted him to get rid of the underdweller people because he feels like they are ruining his perfect utopia. And so he needed someone to get rid of them. So he purposefully implanted Simon Phoenix with the codes to be able to unlock his cuffs and implanted him with the thought to get rid of uh, this friendly guy who is the like leader of the underdweller people because they, you know, like t- graffiti things and steal food and are just kind of ruining his whole idea of, of the world that he has created. So now, of course, uh, the, the key crime being committed here is, of course, the graffiti. We cannot yeah. graffiti anywhere. Yeah. No, never mind. The, the underdweller people, or what do they call them? The scraps or something scraps. like that. Yeah, yeah. Never mind that they don't actually do anything wrong at all. They just no. graffiti a bit. Yes, so, and steal so some food because they don't have any food. Yeah. yeah, steal the odd bit of the odd bit of bread because it's lame as a rab. Yeah. And <laughs> they all have to live in the underground. Um, yeah. Because we're not in Los Angeles anymore. No. no, we're in San, San Angeles. Yeah. Because there was a big earthquake in 2010. Yes. Apparently. That never happened in 2010, did it? So we're okay there. We're not yes, turning yes. into San Angeles just yet. No. So it's this combination of Santa Barbara and uh, San Diego and, and Los Angeles have all combined to be San Angeles now. Yes. So. So we're kind of raised up. We're in, a, we're in a different city, and I guess the the scraps live in what was LA in the yeah. kind of yeah. So the the land. city center of where everything takes place is in the center of Los Angeles of what used to be Los Angeles. So yeah, um, you know we're getting our our familiar locations, Beverly Hills, and you know Wilshire Boulevard, and all of that, and Sunset, and familiar streets, and things like that in LA. So you know Century City and stuff like that. So we are oh, definitely Century City, of course, yes. the uh, best place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so for, we are for, definitely for any in... um for any manly man going yeah to, oh yes wanting to watch an action movie go yes. to century city yes um so that's kind of where we set up our location at in the police station so once simon phoenix does break out of his handcuffs and he kills people um that oh, alerts... he doesn't kill people does he though he murder death, murder, kills, death people. kills people yes they get an alert at the police station but they have no idea how to even handle they didn't even know the, what the, this code was because they haven't had any killings uh in in years so they are not equipped to even handle this situation they don't know what to do um, but I love that seeing, you know, the, again, more, more fleshing out of Sandra Bullock's character when they're kind of lost and trying to figure out like where he's going, what he's doing. She immediately, you know, thinks of a plan of how to find him. Well, like, oh, he stole this doctor's car. Okay. This doctor's car has a tracker. We can track the car and find out where he's going. So she immediately takes this initiative. So even though she's, a a cop who doesn't really have much to do in the way of, you know, fighting crime, she's still really great at her job and really thoughtful and, and, you know, resilient and, you know, can think on her, on her toes and all this kind of thing. So uh, I I liked showing her kind of being really proactive 
even in a world where there's not a whole lot of action. So. Absolutely. And, you know, that continues with her character through the rest of the movie, really, yeah. doesn't it? I really do like Sandra Bullock. The, the, the stupid thing about this scene, though, is that, yes, okay, Sandra Bullock manages to, to get the tracking device on this car that Wesley Snipes is driving to, to work so everybody's aware of where he is. And then every police officer in the office just stands around and smiles and claps. And they're and so pleased well with themselves. Okay, do, now now let's just go so catch well him. Let's go catch this man because it's going to be easy. We have our little, you know, sticks that just make you pass out. So yeah, little like, glow might as well be a glow stick that yes. you just have. You don't actually do anything. And with the it. fact, yes, I didn't, the fact they now, didn't get so. <laughs> I didn't want to bring this up. Sorry, okay. you can you can say go and say, say what you were going to say. Oh no, I, like I, I was just gonna say, and the fact that they think it's gonna be so easy to, to catch him and disarm him, yeah, is exactly. kind of funny. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Um. You, you will have to forgive me for bringing uh, this particular person up, but he is in the movie. Um, yes. <clears throat> I, I, and he does actually have... I never, ever, ever find him funny, really. However, he does have a very funny line in this movie. Yeah. This line being, we're police officers. We're not equipped to deal with this level of violence. Yes, yes. Which um... I just think is great as a line. Um, yeah. Yes, Rob Rob Schneider is in the movie. Is in this movie, and you know, uh, in reading some more trivia, I'm just equally, um, you know, I'm reassured about you know the feelings I have towards this man because apparently he was having a nice conversation with Sandra Bullock, and she was telling him about this movie that she was going to do after this about a, a bus, and he was telling oh, her, yes. "Oh, that's probably going to be a flop. I don't think it's going to be any good." <laughs> So just really playing into just, you know, how how intelligent this man is that he, you know, is telling Sandra Bullock her bus her, her little bus movie was probably not gonna go anywhere. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> we don't often get a chance to bring up your history with Rob Schneider. Yes. So we, we make it out like it's a big serious deal. No, it's like it's not. But I did I did have a Twitter argument with, with Rob Schneider in 2020. So um, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a trigger for me. Um, yeah, it was this whole situation. If I can just kind of briefly go through this story. Oh yes, let's um, uh, let's tell us <laughs> the Rob Schneider story again. So obviously 2020 we're quarantined, Wonder Woman 84 is out. Um, uh, streaming at home so I watched the movie uh, I have a pretty at the time I had a pretty tight-knit Twitter community of followers and friends so you know there was always kind of a trending pulse in what that community was talking about so I never really ever had to direct my commentary to any specific person because it was basically what my followers and people I follow were talking about at the time so there was this debate going around about uh, about Diana being some type of, uh, you know, uh, assaulter to this man's body that she was using because Steve Trevor's mm, was yes. in some other man's body. So people were calling her like a rapist and an assaulter and all these things. Heavy so, words. To <laughs> yes. So I'm like, you guys are being completely ridiculous. 
like you watch all of these body swap comedies where people are making other people do things in their bodies and no one says a word. So I jokingly make this comment, this comparison to the hot chick. I'm like, when Rob Schneider was out here using Jessica to be a stripper in the hot chick, I didn't hear any complaints about that. But yet here is poor Diana being called like this assaulter. So that was my comment, right? Just joking, saying, you know, nobody cares that Rob Schneider did this to this girl and made her a stripper, but everyone's up in arms about uh, Wonder Woman. And so Rob then, Schneider thought you were calling him personally. I didn't, yes, I didn't even tag him anything. I think I just hashtagged the hot chick, maybe. <laughs> I don't I didn't I don't think I, I tagged him or added him or anything. And then I was getting a bunch of comment replies of people really thinking that I was hating on the hot chick or that I was seriously coming for that movie or coming for Rob Schneider because I made that comment. Because they didn't have the context, I guess, of what else, what, you know, my community was talking about. So I was getting a bunch of just vitriol and terrible comments to calling me an idiot and a dumb bitch and all kinds of stuff because they thought I seriously was just dogging on Rob Schneider in this movie without because they didn't have the context. So enough people were talking shit to me that here comes Rob Schneider quoting my tweet and saying something to the effect of, um, I think it's silly for you to be offended by this little movie made by Disney. Cause I guess, you know, Disney probably like distributed it or whatever. Mm. This movie was done all in fun. And for you to be taking it so seriously is kind of silly. Something like, you know, just calling me basically an, in a nice way, calling me an idiot for, you know, supposedly being up in arms about his movie. So then I had to tell him, no, I actually love the hot chick. I was making this commentary about, uh, Wonder Woman I had to explain it all of my friends who knew the context of what I was saying had to like tell him and all his little followers to leave me alone and stop coming for me and explaining what I meant and all of this so it took all of my kind of friends coming for him and telling him like leave her alone for him to then issue me an apology <laughs> well yeah I, I just I, I, I my favorite thing about it is the fact that he thought you had said something you really hadn't said and then as soon as he was told otherwise by ultimately many people he just went i'm sorry about that i've misread the situation yes he's like there was like, no yes, there was no sense of uh joking or irony because i didn't put any like smiley faces or anything so it was on me that he like misread the context of my of my tweet so so <laughs> Regardless, yes, he is in yes. the movie, and um, we, we 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 like to bring up the history. Yes, the history I have with Rob Schneider was very odd, odd twenty twenty. Even though, ultimately, I find him generally deeply, deeply annoying and unfunny. Oh yes, um, he has a whole special about you know making fun of wokeness, which is just oh people very talk, nice. Yeah. When people talk about wokeness and don't understand the history of the word, it's like. Yeah, it's yes. already like you're 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 um, on a you're does, on a list in my mind already. So <laughs> he does, however, I think have a really have great some funny. Yes, he, he he's funny in his little bits in this movie for sure. Um, uh, also, um, somebody we haven't mentioned in the movie yet, as well as our leading kind of not leading cast member, but in that group is Benjamin Bratt. 
yeah is one Free of the nose job police, police officers you seem to be making fun of benjamin bratz no i'm not i'm not well when i saw because like i think you know i saw him in later things like miss congeniality also with sandra bullock so a little reunion later for them um so i think i had seen maybe miss congeniality before i had seen this movie so i knew a certain face of benjamin bratt so when i saw him in this movie like his nose looked completely different his face looked completely different but i'm like that's still him so it was very jarring because i saw him with his new nose first and then saw him in this um i i don't think there's anything wrong with benjamin bratt's nose in this movie i don't think there's anything wrong with it it was just very jarring and very now obvious when you see him now to what he looked like in this movie is all i'm saying i'm not saying good or bad i'm Mm. just saying very jarring Yes. <laughs> mm, okay. Fair enough. I mean, he's also really good in the supporting role he does give. To be fair, he's uh, kind of silly. Yes. And yes. He, he's he's the male version of what Sandra Bullock's doing, but nowhere near to the extent. Yeah, like Sandra he's he seems like he's intrigued, like he's intrigued by her excitement about these things, but he is kind of very much a, a rules person that wouldn't. Yeah. go as far as she does to, to yeah. kind of you know be so excited involved in 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 things that you're not supposed to so yeah uh, yeah he's and, a really fun character you know once once the two leads are, are kind of thawed out or we should say um once the well yes when they try yeah. to apprehend simon phoenix wesley snipes yeah um they realize that they are just totally not equipped to do this (laughs) in the slightest and he is causing chaos about the city and they just can't deal with him not that he's even doing anything that wrong at this point he's not like going on on a mad rampage everywhere he's kind of just doing the odd little thing and they are panicking as though he's like the most dangerous person well, ever yeah i mean he ever exist, ever. he like yeah he beat up a bunch of the cops that came to apprehend him he blew up a car anyone who kind of gets in his way he'll just either kill or kind of throw around so they just don't know what to do so they do come up with the solution of well let's get a cop who you know is from his time who knows how to handle him and i think even um john spartan says a line like this on the helicopter um before he jumps off and says like i don't know what what does he say like it takes like a madman to catch a madman or something Something to that effect something like equating them is kind of the same like two sides of the same coin i think bill cobb as well um, when they are thawing john spartan out to to come back now that it's you know all these years later and and fight his old nemesis again or search search and destroy his old nemesis again um says phoenix is an old-fashioned criminal we need an old-fashioned cop yes and so this is yeah where this whole idea that that takes on for the rest of the movie comes about of having ultimately two fish out of water one on the side of the law if you want to go for stallone kind of i am the law situation about it's not judge dread it's got nothing to do even with though judge rob dread. schneider's in that too 
Is he? Yes, he is. Yes. Um, and then one, you know, side being a, a chaotic criminal. And it's interesting then for the rest of the movie to see how both of them deal with the mad advancement of society, the totally new society. The kind of, you obviously spend more time with Stallone, more time with Spartan, who seems to just be confused a lot of the time about some of the seemingly random changes, famously uh, the Taco Bell situation yes, in this movie. How, you know, there's a lot of restrictions. Anything that's that has been deemed to be not good for you has been made illegal. So cigarettes and salt and uh, sex and chocolate, sex. Uh, you know, physical contact even. Yeah. Uh, all of that has been deemed unhealthy, unsafe, not good for you. So it all is illegal. So it's like stuff he has to learn over time. Uh, and yes, we get the the Taco Bell situation. So um, we do learn fairly quickly that Cocteau is behind bringing, uh, bringing uh, Phoenix out to get rid of the underdweller scab, scrap people. Um. And... Yeah, it's quite strange, really, because you feel like it could have been left to a big reveal that he yes. was really behind it, but, but it doesn't we're... need to be. No. And it isn't. So we see a scene where Simon Phoenix is confronted with Cocteau and he can't shoot him because Cocteau has kind of implanted this thing in his mind to to go after this leader, this underdweller yeah. leader played by Dennis Leary and uh, not hurt him or attack him. So there is video footage of Simon Phoenix holding a gun to him and not doing anything. So later, John Spartan is able to look at that and, and kind of wonder what's going on with that. So we're aware of what's happening, but John Spartan hasn't quite figured it out yet. So, um, yeah, we we do know our bad guy is kind of behind the whole thing. So we're just waiting for for John to play catch up. So you know when Spar uh, Phoenix does get away. Uh, Cocteau tries to play like, oh, John Spartan, you saved me. I want to invite you to dinner yes. at Taco Bell. So this is, uh, you know, and this car ride. Stallone's very confused. He yes. doesn't know why everybody's making such a big deal about going to Taco Bell. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. You sound like, oh, well, I could use a burrito because, you know, it's Taco Bell. Um, and in other countries, Taco Bell, I don't think either existed or wasn't very popular. So they did insert other names like Pizza Hut and things in other in other countries. For yeah, this, okay. This thing. Um, so, yes, on the drive with Lenina Huxley, Sandra Bullock's character, she's explaining quite a bit to him. Um, earlier in the film, also, he learns that, you know, a lot of music was banned. So all they have are mini tunes, which are basically just jingles. This <laughs> like, is so annoying. Yes. Way, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so um, she's explaining to him. Uh, about how Arnold Schwarzenegger was the president for a time, and he's very offended by this. He he's always like, very offended, and and so you know when she is about to kind of explain it, he's like, I don't, I don't even want to know. <laughs> like, he, so I like that. Like, he cuts off any explanation of how this man could have become president. Um, and so they end up going to this dinner. Of course, like the lounge singer is singing the Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> 
right jingle it's like the music the food is ridiculous and small um and then we do actually get some interesting kind of political commentary happening with him being at this table with all of these fancy people um and them just really not meshing with him and kind of seeing him as this brute um and you know i like in this movie the the lord varis person Oh, the Beetlejuice is, guy? Who's <laughs> basically yes. playing his same character from Beetlejuice? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whose cocktails, like I don't assistant. know what you would call him, manservant, I guess. Yeah, yeah, his like, assistant Who's guy. Really soft-spoken and but yeah. kind of a weasel. And as soon as... Glenn Shaddix. Later, yeah, yes. his name is Associate Bob. <laughs> there you go. As soon as Cocktail is ultimately dispatched with uh, slightly later on in the movie, he immediately transfers all of his uh, loyalties to, to the new I'm person in charge. Yes. Yes. So um, how I think more is revealed to John and he figure out, figures out what's going on is while they're at, at dinner at Taco Bell, um, he starts to see some, some of the, these scrap people outside uh, causing some chaos. So he ends up getting into yes. a fight with them only to realize that they're just stealing food. So he realizes that Cocteau kind of has this disdain for them and talks about them ruining his perfect world. Um, but he says, you know, I'm all for, you know, getting the bad guy, but not when they're just trying to get something to eat. So I like him, you know, having this really more great moral center of, you know, I'll fight when people are doing something wrong, but these people aren't doing anything wrong. They're just trying to eat. Yeah. Um, and so that also kind of adds to his suspicion. Um, so after he's kind of fought all these guys, uh, Lenina Huxley is very impressed and wants to go home with him. So then we oh, see yes. how, how sex works in this world. Which is, um, is terrifying, I think. Yes, you put on these stimulating helmets and and kind of, you know, transfer your mental energies and get these visuals without touching each other. But, you know, it, it's far too much for for uh, John Spartan. He wants to do things the old-fashioned way, which is very offensive to Lenina Huxley. So she throws him out. Um, he goes back to his apartment. It, 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 it just it, it doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's very offensive to her, yet she was the one who wanted to do it in the first place. Yes, but um, she has no concept of, you know, no. physical. Yeah, you know, contact. you get the. Do you get the terrifying impression that something like one of these helmets is is very close to being in production? I mean, but how? The, how does that even like, work? Like genuine? I don't know. I mean, I don't mean like exactly like this. I just mean a certain thing you would wear, like VR headset, right? Yeah. The instead of just being just the visual, would also be some That'd sort be of some vibrating of, impulse some, some, that like is in your mind that you can. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible to like hit an all an all. Type of synapses in the brain to yeah. give you, yeah, I don't know. But all of a sudden, you know, the everybody is just sat there in <laughs> little cages doing that. Yeah, on their no, own. no. I think I'm with, I'm with John Spartan and uh, doing things. I'm with John way. Spartan as well. <laughs> yes. Um, 
So yeah, she does kick him out. And this is when he realizes he has this affinity for knitting. So he's knitting, <laughs> he's knitting her a sweater as an apology. And he's watching the footage and he sees that uh, Phoenix is not even attacking Cocteau. So that's where he's really, you know, getting his suspicions of what's happening. Um, yeah. So I like that there's kind of this mystery involved that he's also trying to solve on top of everything else happening in the movie. So we already kind of know what's going on. Um, yes. But I like that we get this little, you know, um, mission of him trying to figure things out and, and seeing him be really competent. Like he's a fish out of water in so many elements in the story, but he's still a very competent uh, you know, police officer who, who's you know, is, looking yeah. for clues and trying to figure things out and asking the right questions and, you know, being very, really observant, observant of things. So I like seeing him be competent in a lot of ways, even when he's, you know, really in, in a world that he, he doesn't fully understand. Yes, would that be in a world that he doesn't <laughs> understand? Would that be that? Yeah. Maybe um, perhaps. <laughs> There's the old action set piece where, okay, he does destroy some things, but he he has the reputation of being, being the demolition man. man. Yeah, and he, he's you know Bob Gunton in particular is constantly kind of up in arms about the fact that he's the demolition man. He's a destroyer of worlds. Yeah, he's just he a big brute. Yeah. Kill us all. Um, he, he never actually does that much destruction. Yeah. Certainly, certainly not that's his fault either. Yeah. yeah. Even when he does destroy the odd window or, you know, the odd car or something like that, that's par for the course in an, in an action movie of this kind anyway. Yeah. You know, he, he's not quite living up to his old 90s reputation, John yeah. Spartan. In uh, in 2032, I also love and also hate how Sandra Bullock always calls him John Spartan, not just John, not not just one name. It's the propriety just detective. of this. <laughs> yeah, just no. Hello, John Spartan. How are you, John Spartan? John Spartan. Are well, you they there? they all they all talk to each other like that because that's just the propriety of this world that they they live in that Cocteau has created. Um, I do like when they do go down to the underground and they actually meet Edgar Friendly and see what he's about. And he explains that, you know, he's very we're... friendly. Isn't yes. He? He's not well, friendly <laughs> by name, friendly by nature. Yes. yes. Well, they actually changed the role up a, a little bit once they cast him because he was known for doing these kinds of rants and monologues he had like a series of like mtv ads where he would just do these rants i remember in the 90s so they added a whole scene for him to be able to rant like that and if you watch you can actually see a silent jack black just hanging out in the background Ooh. um i think he had more to do but it got cut but um yeah he gives this whole rant about them just being the people who didn't want to follow those rules and didn't want to give up 
you know, all of the things that they love. Like they're like, if I want to eat a cheeseburger and get a heart attack, that should be my freedom to do that. So it really plays into the class ideals and, and um, really people just, yeah, yes. People just, you know, expecting to live in a free country, but then having all these, these, their freedom of choice being stripped from them. So they'd rather live down there and potentially starve, but still have their independence and their freedom. So we really love Yes. So I love that, you know, our, our seeming uh, villains of the film end up not being that and then being more than that and being kind of these freedom fighters. So I like that. Yeah, because spin on. they are the most human people in the entire movie. Yes. And and so... Which is uh, always the way. I mean, it's, it's, it's like I said before, it's, it's very typical of yeah. sci-fi, really, to, to do this, to have the people that you are told by fancy upper class society are evil to actually be the people you're rooting for by the end of whatever story you are yes, watching or, so, or listening to. Yeah. So ultimately our trio of Benjamin Bratt and Sandra Bullock and um, Sylvester Stallone team up with the, the scraps and Cocteau is like upping his plan even more to get rid of friendly by now defrosting even more of Spartans <laughs> of, of or even more of Phoenix's friends uh, and yeah. criminals um, which backfires on him because the mind control that he kind of had over him breaks and now Phoenix is in control and ultimately kills Cocteau. So now he's just out to kill Spartan, which was what he wanted to do all along. So now yes. he's 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 defrosted his whole gang, including uh, Jesse Ventura, uh, who doesn't really have yeah. any lines either. <laughs> um, and is defrosting more so he can just kind of take over this whole utopia. So now John Spartan has to stop him. So it's a whole, that's kind of where our big climax. Yes. One big final fight to, to stop our old nemesis. They weirdly play off each other really well as well. I think Stone and and Wesley Snipes, you wouldn't necessarily put the two of them um, together as having, you know, as, as looking like they would have yeah. the best sort of chemistry. They're different eras of actors, the different styles of actors. Yeah. Um, but they really just do. They really do seem like old villains. Yeah, I mean, how did you... in this movie. Yes, I mean, how did you feel in general about Wesley Snipes being kind of this Joker-like figure in this movie? Like, how, how I, Look, I, I, I tend to enjoy Wesley Snipes in movies. To be honest with you, I I found him very enjoyable in this movie. I thought he played it really well, really just to the level of crazy where it didn't go too far and was but totally believable and a little bit comedically just on that level of believability. And I really, I, yeah, I... I I completely enjoyed him. I was, you know, I, you felt like he was a genuine threat. You felt like he was unpredictable. Um, certainly when he dispatches Cocteau, you feel like, okay, you know, are we going to get a little bit more of this movie now that's uh, the changing of this society into a an image of Simon Phoenix rather than an image of, of Cocteau, even if it's just a little amount before he starts going for, you know, Mr. Friendly again. 
we don't get that necessarily. I don't think we need that. I think that probably would have taken the movie to be too long. Yeah. Um, and over long, I think the movie's just the right length it needs to be. It's a it's a well paced movie, which again is something I've spoke about being, I think, a fundamental um, kind of not issue. I suppose that's a heavy word, but I'll use it. Um, with me and 90s action movies that they often feel a little too long and a little too over the top and this just Mm -hmm. never felt like that so I think perhaps that story point didn't need to be in there and wasn't in there he kind of just goes straight for Dennis Leary when um, when he gets rid of Cocteau and that's it it, it works for the movie because you have that kind of final um battle that final climactic showdown yeah um and ultimately dennis leary and his band of rebels they're not really rebels they're just people they don't do anything do they they're just there they're just there trying to live just survive yeah they're not they're not actively trying to actually do anything they're just not they're, they're just not they just conforming to cocktail yes. Yes, and he doesn't like that. So the fact that he would go to these extremes to get rid of them just speaks to, you know, how awful. Yeah, benevolence. Yeah, malevolence, I suppose, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, You've got to you've got to look out for you. You brought up good elements of uh, topical political ideologies as well before, and and it's it's very relevant. It always has been relevant, and I think you know, unfortunately, it always will be relevant, which is why you need sci-fi like this philosophical to kind of depict sci-fi these things like in interesting ways yeah to kind of yeah. depict what we see every day in these kind of colorful elevated interesting ways um yeah so yeah i mean i always have a lot of fun with this movie you know sandra bullock gets to get in the action a little bit and says oh she's no, great i, in the I learned movies, these moves and in jackie chan movies so you know again just a very meta kind of layered commentary and her constantly... and Stallone, Stallone doesn't seem as uh, he seems quite happy with uh, the fact she learned them off Jackie Chan movies he, he, he's not offended by Jackie Chan like yeah. he's offended by Arnold yes um and uh oh, now I have blinked on what I was gonna say um the train of thought has left yeah, the station it has <laughs> to to it's gone <laughs> oh dear <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. No, it's a it's a it's a wonderful movie, and I was not expecting to enjoy it quite as much as I did. I feel it's the perfect movie of its kind. That real great blend of genuine quality sci-fi with ultimately silly action. Okay. And in comparing it to the fifth element again from last week. The fifth element was that over-the-top nature. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. St- it still had its. Like I said, though, it, it had. It was sci-fi fantasy. The fifth element. I remember bringing that up last week. Um, it was bigger picture, good and evil, ultimate prophecy kind of thing. This isn't. This is. And you, you, I always feel like your best sci-fi is kind of man class versus man, issues, yeah, human issues. Um, you know, maybe 
AI-based issues or, or controlling the masses sort of issues and that yeah. kind of thing. And Demolition Man did it so, so well with a title like Demolition Man. I thought this was going to be about a man who destroys things. It may have been, the central character may have been a man who yeah. famously destroyed things, but that was not the movie. The movie was so much more. And yes, big love yeah. to Demolition Man. Jimmy. Awesome. Yes, no, I did remember I was just going to talk about how I did like the running gag. They also gave Sandra Bullock with her constantly um, saying like, like taglines wrong or like you know yes uh, yes so i thought that was really fun really fun like i'm gonna you you can take that and shovel it yeah yes or you can lick his, lick his ass lick his yeah. ass lick, yeah yeah it's matched good. his it's matched fun. his meat and licked his ass. Matched yeah. his meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, and he's constantly good. correcting her. Yeah, it's very cute. The train managed to return to the station of thought. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> you too. I, like that. I do like it when that that happens. We we all aboard the train of thought there. <laughs> yes. For Ginny. Um, unless we have anything else to say about 1993's Demolition Man, Janine R. We going to call this episode there. Yes, I'm just so excited that you loved it. Yay! I really did. I really, really did. <laughs> now I'm really I mean, curious about next week. I know the and I know the movies so far in, in this series have been kind of radically different from one another. Yeah. Um it, it's going to be a tough ranking. Yes. Um, you know, in comparing my two favorites so far, which are definitely this and The Fugitive, okay. um, as great as I thought Thelma and Louise was as well, I just think it's a different style of movie. Yes. Um, it, it's it's tough to compare this to The Fugitive because they're just so different, different styles. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to let gonna be... bias sway me just yet. Well, next week's going to be incredibly interesting because this is a movie that is said to have been just too uh, before its time. Very, you know, if you liked the the action re referential nature of this film, this film is all about that um, in terms of casting choices and and uh, character tropes and Arnold just kind of fully making fun of himself. Um, is it is it sci-fi as well? No. Okay. No. It's it's Am very I confusing much... it with Total Recall. Probably. <laughs> uh, so next week, our final week, uh, I was saving this movie. I've been trying to figure out a way to to have you watch this movie for years, and that is the Last Action Hero. Basically, this kid who absolutely loves movies, particularly Stallone movies and or, or um, <laughs> Schwarzenegger movies. I'd be surprised um, if yeah. you loved Stallone yes, movies yes. in that movie. Um, and there's a specific cop character in this universe that Schwarzenegger plays. And okay. this, this kid gets a magic ticket that sucks him into that movie that ah, okay. Schwarzenegger's in. So then he kind of has to explain to Schwarzenegger's character that... What he's supposed to do. Yes. And, and explain okay. to him that you are played by this real-life person. And, like, so it's this layered thing of this character 
having to learn that he's actually a character and he's played by this real life person and there's a bigger world out there and this kid kind of knows all the characters in his story knows what's gonna happen and like so he's just like confused by this kid and how he knows all of these things um and knows the story of his movie essentially um and then charles dance also he kind of figures out the 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 meta layers of what's happening and it's trying to manipulate that to kind of come into the real world and do crime in in the real in the real world so it's these very interesting meta layers of films and jumping into a movie and the characters and who plays them and it's 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 a lot of fun and i don't think it did very well because it was very much dealing with these self-referential creative concepts that i don't think people were before not quite yet not quite yet (laughs) really curious to see how you feel about last action hero so am i i'm looking i'm definitely looking forward to that i'm sure schwarzenegger's bringing his typical charisma yeah the forefront as i i i i do always tend to enjoy arnold as well very much so yeah um and as we've spoke about his action movies tend to be of a little bit of a different style they are more him being a massive intimidating presence oh yes we and did a full whether series it's comedic, on him. Yeah, whether it's so. comedic or whether it's genuine um there's always a comment to be made about the fact he is eight foot three and 425 pounds of muscle yeah <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. Yay. Definitely. 90 is it did, did last and did last action hero come out the same year as Terminator 2? Oh. Just a just just a question for you there. Just because I'm um, gonna make a comment if it did. Okay, okay. Um last action hero was 1993. No, it did not come out yeah. the same year. As Terminator 2, then okay. It did come out the same year as Demolition Man, right? So that's uh, what the comment I was going to make would have been. The better movie of Arnold in that year is Last Action, without even having seen it, because I just, I have this uh, agenda against Terminator uh, 2 now, don't I? That yes. I have to yes, keep Yes, you up. do. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's just... You prefer the first one. It's yeah, just so it's much, just so much more so your vibe. Better. Yes, yes. There we go. 90s Action November ends next week with Last Action Hero. This is not the only show we have on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed. It is our Wednesday show. Morgan hasn't seen. It is there every week. But the main show, It's a Wonderful podcast, celebrating old movies. It's November still over there every Friday. We love doing that. We love talking about those. We love being so enthusiastic about old movies. And I think particularly old noir journey over on the main show uh every friday you can find the it's a wonderful podcast feed on all major podcast platforms subscribe wherever you do get your podcasts and subscribe and ding your notification bell on the it's a wonderful podcast youtube channel as well leave us those little comments if you are on spotify there is a little question um if you are on other things leave us you know little reviews or what have you ratings uh all that good stuff yeah um and yes uh the it's wonderful podcast youtube channel is of course there as well for you to check out all the stuff we have there if you would uh we spoke about the patreon and the donation before we don't need to say that bit we've done that um but you can also find us on 
Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. You can find me on Twitter at the Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E and the because, Jenny. Three is a magic number. On Instagram and TikTok at the Purple Dawn. All your demolishing stuff is where. You can find me at Janine Devine underscore on Twitter. Janine Devine on Instagram, TikTok, and threads. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, just check the description for the link or search It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Janine, if Demolition Man was remade... Which I don't know if it has been. I assume it hasn't. No. Um, and I know this song is is a decade old now. Would it use Miley Cyrus's "Wrecking Ball" in the soundtrack just because I think that's funny? If it was going for a more spoofy route, perhaps. But would it would it work? I came I don't, like I, a wrecking ball. I'm Stallone, I mean, the demolition man. I don't know if that would work. A little too emotional. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Whatever. Janine, a Sylvester Stallone impression, oh, no. please. I was hoping you wouldn't think of that. Then. Why would I not? When does he ever show up? Three. Two. One. Yes. Bye. 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 Bye.